0: This is Channel
1: 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies,
0: I don't think a cozy mystery is off limits to talk about serious subjects. I mean, come on. You're coming across a dead person? That's a very serious thing. Why can we not also talk about racism and colonialism?
1: Channel 253 is supported by Microsoft. Microsoft is committed to civic conversations like those on Channel 253 that inform and empower Washington communities. To learn more, visit aka.ms slash Microsoft in Washington. One, two, two, interchangeable.
0: White ladies. One, two, two, interchangeable. White. Interchangeable. Interchangeable. White ladies.
2: Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Megan. For today's essential question How has the commitment to authenticity and intersectionality by authors of color changed the writing landscape?
3: We are so excited for this second episode with yet another amazing writer um, that you're all just going to absolutely love and want to go out and buy books immediately, um, especially if you're not aware of her work yet. We have with us Raquel V. Reyes. Hi, Raquel. Hi. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the show. Reyes writes stories with Latina characters. Her Cuban-American heritage, Miami, and Caribbean feature prominently in her work. Mango, Mamba, and Murder is the first in the Caribbean Kitchen mystery series. I absolutely love that name, by the way. Uh, The New York Times Book Review wrote, It executes its mission, mixing standard tropes, memorable characters, and the importance of family and murder in unexpected unexpected quarters with panache. Raquel's short stories appear in various anthologies, including Mystery Most theatrical, Midnight Hour, and Trouble No More. She's a co-chair for Sleuth Fest, a writing craft conference, which I'm hoping we'll learn a lot about today. And you can find her across a lot of social media platforms as at Latina Sleuth. Welcome again to the show.
2: Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're so excited to have you. So beyond that bio um that we got from your website what else should our listeners know about you to frame this conversation before we kind of dive in
0: okay so the eq right the central question is what was it again give it to me one more time yeah.
2: how has the commitment to authenticity and intersectionality by authors of color changed the writing landscape so
0: um i will give you the one word answer specific to me is spanglish so, you know, mm-hmm. all of um, everything that I've written has always had Spanglish. In it. So um, it's not entirely Spanish. It's not entirely English. It's the mixture of the both because that is where I live. And that's where so many people um, around me and that I associate with live, right? We live in between these two cultures. So mm-hmm. um, in regards to the, uh, the way things have changed, you know, there was at one point where um, I was given a lot of lip service to, oh, that sounds great. That sounds like something we want. But then it was like, well, wait, no, we can't do that. You know, that's mm-hmm. got too much uh, Spanish in it, you know. Mm-hmm. And those words weren't said to me exactly, but but you knew what it was. Right. And, um, and so now that's not quite the case. I mean, there's still a little bit of it, you know, in reviews sometimes... Um, professional and others, you know, um, oh, be careful. There's Spanish in there, you know, and that's kind of something we're still going to work on, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're, when you're a reader, you have to trust the writer. You have to trust the author. Mm -hmm. You know, I've not put anything in there that you can't, Figure out through context clues, or isn't directly translated, Um, and sometimes if it's just a one word or or a phrase, you know, really, it's for a very specific niche audience (laughs) who's going to get that one little joke. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. And to to explain the joke would be like. 25 lines that I'm not going
3: to do. Right. right? You know? Yeah. 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 To me, it really, that I love how you explain that because it really makes me, so I'm an English high school English teacher and it really makes, and I talk to my students a lot about unpacking like everything you just laid out. Like, why do you think they put this in here? You know, what is the purpose of it? Who's the audience? And what you just described is almost like those nods in movies, where especially I think about like Marvel movies and whatnot, where the lore is deep, right? And the <laughs> folks who get it get it, and like that joke is for them or that moment is for them, and the rest of us can like get it and it's fine, but we maybe don't get like the deeper meaning.
2: The deeper, yeah. Um, the, the but I love it. I mean, impact. that's
3: yeah makes it so much
2: more
0: rich. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. I,
2: I, and I
0: think and I think that's and I think that that. You know, and and the great thing about what I've heard from um, some readers coming back to me is like, oh, you know, I had Spanish in high school and I was able to get understand it. Or, you know, um, I lived in a community that had a lot of Spanish speakers or, hey, I speak French or Portuguese or, you know, and I think if you've had, you know, interaction with another language culture
3: mm-hmm.
0: then it doesn't bother you as much and bother yeah. i mean by like it doesn't put you at full stop yeah you know like you're just like oh i can i can figure this out right you know and the context
2: and, clues of it all
0: yeah and yeah. and so i have even heard from readers who aren't necessarily from a uh cuban puerto rican dominican culture who you know, are, you know, from, from a different language who go like, oh, you know, there was, it was nice to see and the familiarity. And, you know, I think so many of us live like that. I think Mm -hmm. the way the United States has changed over the Mm -hmm. past 60 years, you know, there's so many people who have two, three, four cultures Mm -hmm. in their household. Yeah. Uh right yeah. and the, and those are the people that I'm that I'm speaking to and those are the people that I want to represent and embrace and um I want that to kind of like be normalized because mm-hmm. it's a large percentage of us
2: absolutely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so before we jump even further into your work um I we've had many conversations with authors and and talking to them about how they got to this place, how they began to see themselves as a writer. Um, It's always different for everybody, but it's always so interesting. So can you like looking back, are there one to two pivotal moments for you um, that helped shape your identity as an author, as a writer, or something that really brought you into this space and made you see yourself as a writer?
0: Well, you know, um, I, I, I've said it's probably in, in half a dozen uh, bios and so forth and so on. There's, um, there's a picture of me uh, in a grade school yearbook accepting an award for creative writing. And I was always drawn to creative writing, mostly in poetry. That's where I got my start. Then I moved into theater. And then I moved into um, uh, genre uh, writing pop fiction. Um, you know, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was because I was an only child and, um, the library was my playground. And, you know, thankfully, um, there were always books around, um, my house. They were usually, um, like art, uh, culture, uh, architecture, those types of things. Um, Uh, not so much on the fiction side, but um, I had a library card and that was an amazing thing, you know, and especially as an only child where um, I was splitting my time between the two cultures. I was splitting the time between Mm -hmm. um, being in Miami and being in Georgia, my father's family and my mother's family. And, um, you, you know, your friends don't go with you when you split time between locations right. Yeah, right. You know? or and like especially in summer like people would just go on vacation and then you're like well, what about me <laughs> so I I spent a lot of time reading and um I think also as an only child you're around adults a lot and you're the mm-hmm. quiet one and you're listening and I think that also lends itself to being a writer is doing a lot mm-hmm. of listening, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then you're analyzing and you're trying to figure out what exactly is going on because, you know, you aren't quite in the know that that adult conversation is. Mm-hmm. And so you're having to like figure it out and piece together and
2: make up yeah. your own story, which is sometimes yeah. wrong, but it's sometimes <laughs> right. <laughs> like making your own connections. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, and so... Yeah, that's the, that's the little me story of being a writer. Yeah. But if you want to talk about the the adult, uh, you know, story of, you know, I... To write poetry, it takes a lot of quiet time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was a, a mom and all of a sudden you don't have quiet time. But right. still that desire to... Uh, you know get these words on paper is there so so i kind of pivoted and you know Mm -hmm. i've read a lot of mysteries and i would really enjoyed the puzzle part of the mystery and um i was like i I mean i read a lot like i i used to keep you know my list of all the things that i've read and i was like oh, that's a pretty good number i honestly don't read as many as i used to i think right Yeah. Yeah. yeah i don't know yeah you know, go through What's 50 happened? or 60 in a year. I don't think I can do that anymore. <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, I said, you know, I saw that people, someone that looked like me wasn't represented in that genre mm-hmm. that I was reading. I was reading mostly traditional mysteries, amateur sleuth, cozy in that thing. Nothing too gory, too, too right? Um, and I didn't see anybody that represented me, not, not even the fact that I'm Latina, not even the fact, not the Spanglish thing, just someone who was a different shade than white.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: You know, yeah. I mean, there yeah. were a few of them for sure, you know, um, uh, Blanche on the Lamb. I remember, uh, mm. you know, uh, I remember just the three books and I read those, uh, you know, loved them. I was so excited when I said, but there, there weren't that many right right um and so I was like well then I'll do it you know and Mm -hmm. and I think that's just kind of like my nature anyhow of like oh there's something that needs to be done okay yeah (laughs) if nobody else is gonna step (laughs) up I'll do it (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and um so yeah so I I had been I've been writing and working at this for I don't know, 15, 20 years trying to, to, to break into, um, the mystery genre. And, and by that, I mean, as a traditionally published, um, author. Um, so, you know, I've been here involved in groups, involved in, in, in Guppies and Sisters of Crime and Mystery Writers of America. And that's how I ended up, uh, you know, falling in love with Sleuth Fest, which I know we'll talk about later. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, it, it, and, and so that's a hard, also a hard place to be in is being in the community and wanting to see the community change and not seeing a lot of other people mm-hmm. like you for various reasons, right? Um, mm-hmm. One could be that it was just, wasn't welcoming or the fact that there yeah. wasn't anybody there to say, hey, look, you can do this.
3: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: And so I very much felt it. it was super important for me. To just be in the room and just be like, Mm. in case somebody else comes through that door, they're going to see me and say, oh, I can be here, too. And I think that's that's a hugely important thing. Yeah, I love that.
3: Um, I actually have so many questions going around. So one, as you were talking about different books that. Um, you find yourself reading what were some of your favorites if you want to name drop any of those favorites from the old days from
0: back in the day okay yeah from back in the day what's your your favorite um (laughs) i loved um not so long ago but um ellie Griffith. she writes an uh the um ruth series now not Mm -hmm. exactly amateur sleuth not exactly cozy but still within that there's not too much you know hardcore stuff in there right yeah I loved her because she was independent. She wasn't relying on anybody else. She lives out on this marsh in the middle of nowhere. And everybody's like, you can't live there. It's dangerous. You know, like, I think I identified with that spirit of her. And also I love archeology. span So that was great. Um, Elizabeth Peters from way back. um, Mm -hmm. I remember finding that on the library shelf. And uh, I actually like, she had all these Egyptian ones, which are super cool but I like the one that took place in the catacombs of Rome. And I was just like, I, yeah, I get that. I love that. I, yeah. I'm a big art history Mm -hmm. kind of person. So I was just like, that's for me. Yeah. Love that one. Um, There was also a series. uh, And I I think I I wrote, I know I wrote a piece up for it. um, And uh, talking about um, it's called the mommy track mysteries. Mm -hmm. Elliot Waldman. And I loved that series and I may be pronouncing your first name incorrectly, which, my, which happens. And we'll we'll think, look it up. It's all right. And I <laughs> just think that like, you also have to admit that you don't know it and not think. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> you, yep. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but it's called the mommy track series. And, and I liked it one because at the time I was also, uh, you know, had a kid in the house and so I'm reading this and I could identify just on that level. Right. But, um, she goes into, in, in one of them, several of them maybe, goes into this um, Orthodox Jewish community. Hmm. And I loved seeing that, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm here in Miami, I grew up on Miami Beach, we have a large Orthodox community. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I had some familiarity with it. Yeah. <clears throat> but that whole immersion into it, spoke to me the same into into the same vein of what I wanted to do right, right? was I just what like wanted to represent yeah these other little communities that are within yeah. this umbrella of America of the mm-hmm. United States of America right yeah.
2: mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so I so this brings me to a question that I was really excited to ask you about. And I'm in the work that you just described, there's so much connection to, like, or what drew you to those books, or what you highlighted was like history and the archaeology and culture. And the main character, you're, the protagonist in your book, is a food anthropologist. Mm-hmm. um First of all, can you just explain what is a food anthropologist? I don't think I'd ever even known that was a career. Had I known, I might not be a teacher. Who knows? Um, And then can you explain what caused you to choose that as the profession of your protagonist? Sure,
0: sure. I mean, it's where food and culture intersect, Mm -hmm. right? -hmm. Why do we eat the things that we eat? How did we come to eat the things that we eat? You know, and everything that surrounds them, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, when I started writing this uh, series, um, before I had before I had an agent, before I had an editor, before I had a book deal, right? You know, you're writing this story, right? Um, I knew that I wanted her to be an academic. You know, mm-hmm. I probably am a I, I call myself a failed academic because like if somebody had pushed me, I so would have gone and gotten my master's and PhD and all of that other stuff, right? You right. know, if I had known, if there had been an, uh, an avenue open for me to do that, I certainly would have, right? So I really wanted her to be an academic because um, the, the number of uh, Latinas in uh, the academic world, Uh, higher education is, uh, almost a single digit, (laughs) you know, it's it's very, Mm -hmm. very low. And also, um, they, there's a couple of, uh, you know, you can look it up. There's some really high attention cases of, uh, Latinas getting pushed out right before they were able to get their tenure. Yeah. And and when you read it, you know, you're like, why? why did, why did that happen? Uh, hmm. was it just because they were Latina? Yes, certainly seems that way yeah, when you read right. all of the stories and, and and so forth. So anyway, I wanted her to be that. And like I couldn't do archaeology, even though I love archaeology, like I can't even get that technical. Like I like I, I would have had to go out to school. Like, you know, yeah. I can't think yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I am not a food anthropologist, but I have enough of an interest in it. Yes. That I can do the little bit of study that I need to, to make it work. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I especially wanted her, since I was focused on the Caribbean, to talk about the Caribbean diaspora, the African diaspora. So, you know, the Caribbean are all these islands, right? But we have all kind of share a similar history of colonialism right Right. we we were either colonized by the spanish we were colonized by the english by the french by the dutch right you know and all the pirates Mm -hmm. of the caribbean are true they're going around (laughs) raiding all these islands and all of this stuff right so when enslaved people were brought over Mm -hmm. they also came with foods right now they came with foods um some of them may be seeds hidden that they had, but they also came with, uh, how do you feed all of these people, right? Uh, as you go across this great big ocean for mm-hmm. however many months that takes, three, four, six, depending if you get blown over by a storm, right? Um, so they were bringing in foods from Africa on the ship to feed everyone until they got over here to the islands and then um, they were doing trades and so forth here. And then, so, so I just find it really interesting how the food traveled, and then yeah. how. So we have, um, you know, dishes in Cuba and Puerto Rico and and the Dominican Republic that all have the same ingredients. Um, they have different names and they're cooked slightly differently, but they're they come from the same origin. And so like mafungo um, and fufu, which is mm-hmm. a mashed plantain dish. I mean, that just like, I kind of just like, you know, really go into that and like, I want to yeah. know why and how yeah. and, and so forth and so on. And, and so, so I wanted her to be able to use that knowledge to kind of talk about sharedness and then also talk about colonialism mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and talk about how, you know, like it's just very, I, I feel that there's a way to talk about where we came from in the history of things across disciplines. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like, I yeah. don't think yeah. a cozy mystery is off limits to talk about serious subjects. I mean, come yeah. on, you're coming across a dead person. That's a very serious thing. Why yeah. can we not yeah. also talk about yeah. racism and colonialism? And yeah, yes. I mean, you might do it in a, I hate the word soft, but like lighter, I don't know, like yeah. way. Yeah. But I think it's, I, I. for me, it feels like it is the kitchen table conversation, right? It's how you broach things and bring other people into it and start mm-hmm. having that conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, think, not yeah. the podium,
2: you know, you're not yeah. giving.
0: Yeah. Speech, yeah. But I'm at the kitchen table. It's
2: accessibility. Mm-hmm. Right? I think it's the accessibility yeah. of it. And I think that food, what I'm learning through the conversations about Cozy Mysteries is that food is, an extremely good vehicle to have those conversations because I mean, you see how many TV shows there are that explore that intersection of culture and food. And it's an entry, like a gateway for people. I think that for people that maybe are a bit more resistant to those topics or conversations, it feels like a less threatening gateway to have the conversations for some reason. And I think it's because everybody, every culture, every human has a relationship with food that is, there's like, it's comforting. And that's what I'm hearing you say, right? Like, it's like these cozy mysteries, having the vehicle be food opens up the door to, yeah, in a less threatening way Mm -hmm. to talk about harder things.
3: When you started this journey, did you intend to talk about those things through your writing?
2: I, I have always done.
0: Absolutely. okay okay yeah. you always, have, always have like in my poetry and everything that I've written in my yeah. first manuscripts yeah okay absolutely so then I guess we had a couple of listeners um
3: chime in before this and ask you know some different questions we'll get to later yeah. but I think part of that is then why did you feel or ha- um what made cozy mystery the vehicle then that you felt most situated to tell this story to talk about these things because like you said poetry and uh, you know, not necessarily quiet time to be able to focus. But why did you end up settling here?
0: Well, that was what I was reading, and that's what I enjoy. Okay. And and I love yeah. justice served. And yeah. so when you read a cozy, you know what you're getting.
3: Okay.
0: Uh, you know you're gonna get sense. satisfaction at the end. You know yeah. the bad guy's gonna be put in jail or bad woman or whoever. Um. And um. Also, I just I I have a hard time with uh, serious violence, like in mm. gore. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I just don't like, I don't enjoy horror films. Like yeah. I've maybe watched a handful of them just because they were like important things that I kind of culturally <laughs> uh, culture should yeah. know. And I've watched them yeah. like, Like, you know, with my hands over my eyes or or my fingers in
2: my ears. Like, (laughs) you learn how to stare at like the top right-hand corner of the screen for most of it. Yeah, exactly. Or your phone. Like I'm just on my phone. "Uh Oh, yes. Uh Is it over? Okay. That's how I watch horror movies. (laughs) Yeah,
3: exactly. That's really funny. Okay, well thank you for thank you for answering that because um it's always interesting to think about you know what starts first, right? Is someone exploring you know their the writing style versus how much you go in with certain goals that you have, right? And then finding some place to tell that story um specifically. Megan, did you you look you were gonna ask another question?
2: Well, I was actually looking at the time at um oh, yeah. before we jump in, you were referencing those listener questions and we have um several really good ones. Before we jump into those, let's quickly take a break.
1: Um and then we'll jump back into the conversation. Hello friends, this is Marguerite Martin, creator of MoveToTacoma.com and co-founder of Channel 253. It's bad out there folks. Home prices in Pierce County are up 15% year over year. While it's no secret that the market is hot, you may not know that Tacoma has been the hottest housing market in the country for several years. There is an extreme shortage of homes for buyers to buy. Having a local Tacoma Buyer's agent that specializes in the neighborhood and price range you're after can mean the difference between losing or winning the bid on your dream home. If you're looking to sell your current home and find something that meets your needs better, having a neighborhood expert handle your listing will impact how much money you net off of your sale. The right agent to market and sell a home on the west slope might not be the same person who has the expertise and connections to find you an income generating duplex somewhere else. All agents have specialties, and I know the players for every niche. Best of all, it doesn't cost you anything. Great local agents are happy to pay me a finder's fee if you end up buying or selling. And you can rest easy knowing you're going to get a great agent who specializes in exactly what you're looking for. If you want to learn more, visit movetotacoma.com and use the contact form. Thanks for listening to Channel 253.
3: All right, listeners, do not forget to sign up to subscribe to channel 253. We appreciate all of you that are subscribing members for helping make this podcast happen. And we really encourage the rest of y'all to go sign up because it's Only awesome. $4 a month exactly um all right so there's so many questions that we have still for you (laughs) but um, let's do a couple of random listener questions really quick um some of our listeners they they sent us a ton of questions actually and some are quite hilarious so one question that was burning in someone's mind was have you ever solved a mystery in real life
0: i think as a as a parent you solve them on the daily. good answer good answer (laughs) (laughs) no a crime I've never solved a crime in real life but smaller mysteries all the time every day (laughs) like where are the
3: matching socks here (laughs) why is this sticky I don't understand (laughs) exactly does another good question kind of similar to that if you had to pick a famous like mystery book or TV show or detective character to join forces with at some point, or with your main character. Uh, who would it be if you had to do
0: a joint like a crossover? A yeah, crossover. crossover. That's the word. Wow. I would have to think about that. Hmm. Hmm. I don't, you know, I really just so tend towards um. I would really love to go on an archeological dig with Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just like, yeah, I would love that. Maybe, maybe they could like, well, actually I've been thinking about, you know, in Miami, we, um, this was Tequesta land and I've been mm-hmm. trying to think about how I could work that into a plot. So maybe mm-hmm. I could have an archeologist specialist come and my mm-hmm. character, Miriam has there you found, go. There you go. I don't know. Yeah.
3: Anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're planting seeds yeah you <clears throat> this a little bit earlier um but another listener was asking when you think about the influence or what is the influence of legacy writers in this field um think about arthur conan doyle was was referenced in agatha christie do you think um what, what would you say is the influence of those legacy writers
0: you know is there- i have i have a hard time like, I've read them. I don't wouldn't say that I've read the entire canon of them, right? But, of course, I mean, like, when I was reading Elizabeth Peters, I was also reading uh, Agatha Christie, because that was what right. was on the shelf, right? And mm-hmm. I certainly enjoyed it. Um, and she, certainly there's lessons to be learned. Like, you know, how do you plant clues and red herrings? And, like, you know, just, you know, there's a reason why she's canon, because, you know, she's right. amazing. Um, but I just didn't feel connected to the culture in it yeah. so I have a really hard time revisiting them
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know and and mm-hmm. so like um I- I've watched several of the Sherlock Holmes um reboots um mm-hmm. on uh various uh, you know the um Cumber- Cumber- Benedict Cumber. Cumberb- yeah 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 I yeah. know you're talking about yeah Benedict Cumberbatch yep mhm okay. I, I was gonna say Cumberbomb <laughs> but that I would knew that was wrong so yeah there right. you go like right I, yeah yeah okay anyway um and and I've enjoyed them but again I don't revisit them yeah. so like for me I guess always what you ask me do I love is something that I want to revisit yeah,
2: yeah. absolutely um, So, another listener question is Latinos are all about home remedies. What's your home remedy for writer's block?
3: <laughs> and full disclosure, this was put out by a Latino listener. Yeah. So, yeah. I just wanted to, to
0: that
3: because I was like, I can't ask this question.
0: Uh, <laughs> you little, know wow, random uh, Cafecito always works great. You know, a little coffee, getting those gray cells moving, mm. always works great. But no, you know, writer's block is, um, I think, uh, this big um, bad monster that we uh, put out there that maybe isn't really a monster. Hmm. Maybe writing block is that you don't have the plot down yet or Mm -hmm. you haven't figured out the entire backstory. Mm. And honestly, I think the only way to get over that is to sit down in the chair and look at the screen. Interesting, okay. It's Mm -hmm. not that you have to put words on the screen. Yeah. It's that you need to dedicate that time to figuring out where is this story going? And what am I doing with this story? And mm-hmm. when you answer those questions, I think that that monster who wasn't really a monster just kind mm-hmm. of, you know, goes away.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. I love that. Me too. Um, one of the other big questions folks had was some iteration of this one, which is how do you think writing has changed the way that you look
0: at the world or has it? Yeah, um, I don't know. I, um, I feel like I'm always... you know, I I really go back to this quietness, like writing for me, and I know it's not like for everyone, but writing for me is very much about quietness. You know, I need to not have other distractions. I'm very focused. And I think that that transfers when I leave my writing cave, you know, I'm just very focused on whatever it is that is in front of me. I mean, it's very kind of like, you know, be here now kind of stuff, Yeah, you know? And, and for me, that's, that's how it, how it has sculpted my life. You know, it's very much about what is this task I'm doing now or what is this scenery that I'm looking at? Or what is this article that Mm -hmm. I'm reading? You know, I'm very much in it until I step away from it. And then when I step Mm -hmm. away from it, I'm pretty good. (laughs) I'm Mm -hmm. like, Oh, Mm -hmm. Okay. I
3: can leave you here. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Thank you.
2: Go ahead. I was gonna say, so you kind of talked about the, like we, or we asked about the legacy's impact Mm -hmm. on, on the genre. Um, And you've talked throughout this episode about the importance of representation and culture um, in your own writing. So how do you think you're helping to shape conversations around representation in literature?
0: You know, I don't, I hope that I am. And, um, I think that, that there's going to be more conversations to be had, like we're having here, which I, I very much appreciate this opportunity. You know, my book just came out in October of 2021. Um, the next one comes out in November of 2022. Um, you know, I think when we get to book three, uh, I think that we will have had many conversations between book one and book three. So I think we're, yeah. I'm think I'm still kind of fresh on this, mm-hmm. but, but I do see that uh, there are, you know, not just for me, but from um, the kind of like the others in my cohort, you know, it seems like right now we have for the first time, which is wonderful. Like, so backtrack. Okay. So when you're an author and uh, when you send out these queries to agents and so forth, you Mm -hmm. have to put comparables in there, you know? Mm -hmm. So just like, you know, when you sell a house and your real estate agent goes, well, the house next door sold for this amount, or this is the house similar to yours and it sold for this amount, right? right? Same thing when you're querying, you have to, in your query letter, say, my book will appeal to readers who also read mm-hmm. this book mm-hmm. and this book, mm-hmm. right? And that allows them to kind of know where to put it, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So before this, you know, writers of color and culture and all this other stuff in our genre did not have a lot of those comparables. Yeah. Right? So now this cohort that we have now is wonderful because the writers coming up behind us will have yeah. comparables, Yep. right? I love that. Yeah. And, and so that is what it is, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I do kind of think of us as this cohort, you know, thanks to Crime Writers of Color and Gigi and Kelly, and because I know Mia Manasala had spoken about the group before, yeah. you know, who brought all these people together. You know, it's kind of uh, like now, you know, we're 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 all okay. This is crazy, but okay. Like so, think of it like popcorn kernels. Okay.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know? Go keep going, keep going. And I- like
0: some <laughs> of the popcorn kernels pop quicker than the other ones, yeah. and are like shoot super high, and then some of the ones that are kind of like in the middle, like like I feel that like that's what we are. Like yeah. you know, it's like there's some of them that are like. Psh, reaching like these unbelievable bestseller lists and getting on all the award nominations and there's other ones who are just popping and doing great and are just as tasty yeah <laughs> you know yeah. i kind of feel like that
2: yeah, yeah. which yeah, super enough, on right? brand that you use food as an <laughs> to explain <laughs> there you go Um, and so that's actually the perfect segue or like connection to something you mentioned Mia, who Mm -hmm. Mia Mananzala, she was on our um, podcast a couple episodes ago. She just like raved about the community of writers of color in this genre Mm -hmm. and the impact that it had on her as an author. And in your bio, um, we mentioned that you're the co-chair for something called sleuth fest. And so can you talk more about one that, cause that just sounds really interesting, but also just the significance of what like the community has meant to you as an author mm-hmm. and writer.
0: Sure. So, uh, you know, um, I- I've been members of many different, I'm a joiner for, uh, like communities for sure. And especially online communities. Not so much like sports. I'm not going to join sports <laughs> team, but um, I'll join your writing team. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, like I said, I was I would join these other groups, and and I was just there. Like um, I want to make sure that I'm there, so that in case anyone else who walks in the room sees a face right. that they can yeah. identify. Yeah.
2: With, yeah, I love right? I said that.
0: But that was kind of a little bit lonely. You know, you're just sitting right. there and, and like. Yeah, yeah there, was, there was just some weird stuff. But anyway, <laughs> when Crime Writers of Color came along, I was like, I, I, you know, I I, knew, Kel, I got introduced to Kelly Garrett um, from another friend of mine that I knew from another community, from a parenting community who is also a writer. She writes middle grade stuff. And um, she's like, oh, I think you'd like my friend Kelly and blah, blah, blah. We're talking about clothes. And Kelly's like, hey, I'm getting this group together. A couple of us are getting this group together. And so I like remember like, there were, I want to say like 35 of us, right? And then over the last two years, it's, I think we're up to like 350. That's an amazing thing. That's, amazing. That's awesome. Wow. You know, and not all of them are in the United States. Some of them yeah. are overseas. But um, to just have a space where you can ask a question and know that the people who are reading it and going to respond to it can read all the in between the line stuff and unpack it and all mm. of the other nonsense that comes with it you know yeah you know and i i don't want to make out like all we do is talk about racism and how unjust the world is and that's not right. it you know that's right. not it at all but to just to be able to say something and like everyone and, and you're on and this is virtual i mean i mean this is like you know a bulletin board. You know what I'm saying. It's not like we're meeting face to face and read right. each other's yeah. expressions or anything like that. You just know that there's everybody out there just nodding their head. Going, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, t- to to yeah. not have to explain yourself mm. all the time yep. is so liberating. Yeah. yeah. Right. And also, just to like like check yourself, like, hey did I misread this and have other people go on and go, Nope, you didn't, yeah. <laughs> you know, clear. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And so that has been really wonderful. And um, I think that it's certainly helped with like the confidence and the momentum. I mean, there's a lot of things that came into play with that. Absolutely. You know, like, just like the world has been changing it mm-hmm. continues to change and right. it continues to slip back.
3: And mm-hmm. then we have
0: to keep <laughs> pushing forward to for yeah. that change. But, uh, you know, so a lot of things happen at the same time. But, but having that community where you can just be yourself, you know, and even though my um, experience growing up is not exactly like a black American, like I didn't face the same things. But there's enough sharedness and similarity that there, there's a common ground between us. That you know, when you look at the monolith of uh, American institutions, mm. and and breaking down those those gates yeah. and to get into that, it's amazing to 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 be able to do that, holding someone else's hand. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying?
2: Mm-hmm. So. I I sent a clip. To hope, and by a clip, I'll just it was a TikTok. Um, <laughs> to hope the other day. <laughs> um, but essentially, it talked about like it was a woman where um, she was on a, a two like a male podcast. Um, mm-hmm. and they were like, Well, what makes you a, an expert to talk about maleness? Um, and one of the men was a black man, and she said, It's the same reason why you are an expert to talk about whiteness right mm-hmm. like you are the expert when talking about whiteness because the oppressed is the expert of the oppressor mm-hmm. and so as a woman she was like i am the expert to talk about misogyny because as the oppressed i know everything about my oppressor and i just hear that echoed in what you're saying is that your experience as an author of color in this space is not the same as somebody else but your your awareness of whiteness is there and you don't have to explain whiteness in the way that you have to explain whiteness to white people. Yeah. Right. There's just a level of understanding, I think, that it's powerful. That I think, yeah, anytime that you've or if you've ever had to navigate spaces like that, you it just you understand. I like I know what you're talking about when you're saying that, right? Yeah.
0: I appreciate that. And and that's the intersectionality, isn't it? I mean, sure. that's yeah, how absolutely. that's how we move forward is finding that those intersections and finding out how we, you know, can can uh, relate to each other from where we cross and where mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. shared that shared point is in that. Absolutely, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely.
3: As we wrap up, can you talk a little bit about um, SleuthFest? And I know you're also part of the Cozy Florida group, and I don't know if you wanted to mention that or any other projects sure. you're working on. Mm-hmm.
0: Sure, so SleuthFest is a um, writing conference for the mystery genre. Um, It's been going on for 25 years. It takes place in South Florida. This year, because of all the pandemic nonsense, we've moved from our normal March date to July, just to give us a little buffer. So it's July 7th through 10th. And um, it's an intimate conference uh, in that um, you kind of, like you walk in and you are going to make friends and you're going to network and it's just this amazing thing. And I really credit Sleuthfest with my uh, writing education. I call it my do-it-yourself MFA, you know, like, <laughs> right? Because I was not going to take on some some student yeah, debt true. to get uh, right. mm-hmm. an MFA in creative writing because, um, mm-hmm. you know, we don't make any money anyway. So why <laughs> take any of this, you know, yeah. and really, writers don't make any money. Just so, you know, in case you have you know didn't know <laughs> yeah. that, I'm going to let you in on that secret. Um, I mean, Stephen King makes a lot of money. I mean, there's and like if you're a celebrity and you have a ghost writer, you're gonna make some money. But the rest of us right. we're not really paying our bills yeah. with it. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, like how do you learn how to plot something? How do you mm. learn how to write suspense? How do you learn how to, you know, do all of these things that that are crucial to being a good writer, you know? Mm. Because, um, you know, talent and skill are two different things, but they have right. to go hand in hand. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then I will also say this about conferences. Conferences are the flower bed that luck plant seeds in. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, you go there, you meet someone two years down the line, they remember they had a conversation with you and they're like, yeah. oh, they gave me an elevator pitch. I wonder if they ever finished that manuscript. Let me call them up or message them or whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, at Sleuth Fest, we have agents and editors You give pitches and so forth and so on. Yes, a small percentage of those people will get a have a book deal by the time they've walked out of the conference. I've seen it happen. It's amazing, right? The rest of them don't, but that doesn't mean that that manuscript doesn't get published at some time. Right. So you're, so you sit there and you have an agent say something to you that allows you to change your manuscript for the better or your query letter for the better or your pitch for the better. And so that the next time you do that, then, you know, you're, you're in there and I am just, um, you know, I've learned so much, and especially with Sleuth Fest, we have a forensic track, you know, and so posies okay, okay. aren't necessarily like heavy on the forensics, but you kind of have to know the basics. So, you, know, you can't, yeah. you know, yeah. fudge it too much. <laughs> you yeah, do need yeah. to get it w- within the lines, right? Yeah. Yeah. With it so, you know, I've sat in on, um, some great forensics classes about, uh, blood splatter and stuff like, you saying? know, but by like actual, you know, forensic people.
2: Yeah, and,
0: yeah. um, so there's all this great stuff that happens. Um, and so like, um, uh, a writing conference is different than a fan conference, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so Sleuth Fest is really, um, for writers and about right. writers. It doesn't mean we sometimes don't have fans come. Um, but also, um, you know, writers are, uh, the first fans for readers. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. every writer is a fan at heart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. so yeah. yes. I so come to Sleuthbust. Uh, it's great fun and, um, it's your do it yourself MFA. That's awesome. Anything
3: about Co- Cozy Florida group that you want to shout out as well? So,
0: so Cozy Florida is, a Uh, a website i started with um two other uh cozy authors um uh tara Losh and um cheryl holland um they also write mysteries um mystery series set in in florida um they also write a bunch of other stuff um right now it's on a little hiatus we're going to try to regroup we're going to try to get some more um people in there but um i love miami specifically and i don't dislike florida Sometimes I get really angry with some of the stuff that North Florida does, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, But I think Florida is this great place and I want to celebrate it. And um, I want to talk about all the great authors and writers that are, you know, that come that are writing mysteries in Florida. So I'll leave it at that. (laughs) <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Is there any other project um, you
3: mentioned your next book is coming out in the fall? Is there anything else that our listeners should know about you or um, we will, of course, link to how they can follow you on social media? Is there any other um, way that they should check out your work or any other project they should know?
0: Sure. Um, I really enjoy writing short stories and um, I'm lucky enough to have um, several of them um, published recently in anthologies. One of them is um, Midnight Hour, which I highly suggest everyone get. It is an anthology of 20 uh, crime writers of color. And the, the theme that holds uh, the anthology together is that all of the stories take place at midnight or the crime takes place at midnight. Mm. So it's a lot of fun and you'll get a really nice sampling of what's out there right now. And maybe you'll fall in love with the new author and follow them. Um, I just wrote. I'm, um, def- I'm definitely going to tell
3: our our librarian at the school about this so that we yeah. can get a copy.
0: And it we is, keep going. And no, and it's great because you're going to have a pi, you're going to have a cozy, yeah. you're going to have, you know, you you get a sampling of of all the subgenres within the genre. Um, I uh, uh, Trouble No More is uh, an anthology that I'm in, which is all um, inspired by the songs from the Almond Brothers and Southern Rock. Okay. And I I wrote a. a um, so that story is not cozy. I'll just okay. say that. But a lot of the same <laughs> themes that I always talk about are in there, and that's okay. kind of the thing that I use my cozy, i mean—that I use my short stories for—is they're always a little humorous. I—I don't take anything too seriously. I always like to have a little touch of humor in there. Yeah. But um, there might be a little bit more blood and violence in them. But you're still not going to have to like. Turn the page because it gets too gory. So don't right. worry. Okay. But they're just not—they're not cozy, cozy. Not quite as okay. cozy. Exactly. Not that
2: cozy. All
0: right. Right. <laughs> um, and
2: and so. then I've got—I
0: think I've got another—I've got a short story coming out in an anthology next year, and so I, I'm really happy, and I hope that I can keep doing that. You know, a little yes. one or two short stories a year. It kind of helps uh, me, uh, you know, get to it taste and experiment other things Mm -hmm, than mm -hmm. just the one series that i'm writing which i love but you know as a writer we could easily get distracted by another story so having that constraints of a short story is wonderful it's like okay you get to go have fun but you only get to go have fun for 300 (laughs) for 3500 words (laughs) and that's it yeah and then you're done you got to get back to work
2: on this other thing right i love that i love that me too so, this really does nicely move us into our final segment of Do Your Fudging Homework.
0: Interchangeable. White
2: Ladies. It's where we leave our listeners with um, some work, some homework that they should do. Um, it can be about the topic, it can be something out like. Um, outside of it if there's anything that you want to leave the listeners with i think mine is very easy for today's episode is to go um and read raquel's work mango mambo and murder is her novel that came out you said in november october, october, october. of 2021 yeah. just yeah. um and then go check out those short stories that she just referenced mm-hmm
3: and i i think mine is a recommendation for a facebook group that i found um, because i was prepping for this episode and i found a group called cozy mysteries crew and so far it's entertaining and there's lots of good recommendations and a bunch of cool looking authors um, so if people are interested in that i'll throw that out there as a rec uh, any other recommendations or things people should do ways that they can support your work or this kind
0: of work um, yeah anything else you know, always uh, request at your library, support your independent bookstore. Um, you know, like I have to say, I love um, anthologies and especially themed anthologies because it, like, you know, you pick theme and you're like, oh, well, I like the theme. And then you mm-hmm. get the opportunity to fall in love with a bunch of authors. So mm-hmm. I would really recommend people giving short story anthologies a try. You might find your next favorite thing you know, your next favorite person. And um, so that would be my homework. Give anthologies a try.
3: Perfect. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule and sharing your story, your experience, your perspective,
0: and your work with us. Thank you. This was so much fun. Thanks.
2: Yay. Awesome. Perfect. Bye. Bye. Channel
1: 253 is supported by Microsoft. Microsoft is committed to civic conversations like those on Channel 253 that inform and empower Washington communities. To learn more, visit aka.ms microsoftinwashington Microsoft in Washington.
0: North Florida and South Florida are two different places, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs>
1: the Interchangeable White Ladies podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flanders B Team, We Art, Tacoma, and what say you? This is Channel 253.